Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. We're coming in as clean shaven as possible for most of us because it is the start of November. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit on Lion clean shaven and dreading this month i think in many which ways because last month his mustache completely took everything out of control ryan matthews at ryan underscore pod uh he's he's very very clean shaven because we are all joining in the action this week um look i it sounds like i'm stalling to talk about the lions i have we've taken the policy of front loading these things as much as possible with lions talk but Movember means a lot to us. We're going to start with this because I don't think there's any other place to fit this in right now. This was supposed to be a momentous day for us. The November 1st, where we start, Jeremy, and we've got not one, but two charities this month. And we've got an exorbitant amount of features to talk about. So we're going to try to talk about them briefly real quick, because this means a lot to us. This has become a big part of Friday Detroit. Yeah, no question. I mean, last year, the the mustache kind of took on a thing of its own. And unfortunately, kind of like all of it, all of the attention we got was inward. And and like, we, I, I appreciated all the support we got for the, the Twitch channel and all that. But I want to kind of to redirect that to something a little bit more benevolent, I guess. Um, uh, maybe not the right word for it, but, you know, charitable, essentially. And so for for the first half of the month, we're going to um, we're going to donate, um, or we're going to ask you all to donate to, uh, the prostate cancer foundation. I know that was something that, that Ryan specifically wanted to, um, a charity that meant a lot to him. And then for the, the back half, we're, we're going to also raise money for rain, the, the rape abuse and incest national network, which is something that, that Chris suggested also a, a cause near and dear to his heart. And, um, if you've been around our charity drives in the past, we we've run a bunch and we try to make it as fun as possible. And I think now is a great time for that, right. <laughs> to have a little bit yeah, of fun with yeah. this Lions well, fandom. We're um, going gonna to try to have some fun here. And yeah, you mentioned how much it means to me. I obviously, in case those don't know, I am a sexual assault survivor myself from my childhood. So rain does mean a lot to me to, um, you know, we, we were trying to find something very specific for, for male sexual ass- uh, assault survivors don't get any kind of, you know, support whatsoever, but um, uh, yeah, no, we have, but we, we do that in our way by growing mustaches, Ryan. And I can see you're very clean shaven for expecting what's going to happen here. Yeah. I mean, it, it actually worked out quite nicely because I decided to go as a uh, Joe Dierte for, uh, for Halloween. So I had, to, I don't I'd, know who that is. I had, I had to shave the majority of, of my face anyway. So it was a, uh, 
Yeah, as Chris mentioned, um, you know, with the organization that we're we're donating on the back half of the month, the, the first half of the month, it means a lot to me. Uh, my dad is somebody who uh, just officially uh, went into remission um, oh. from his uh, from his prostate cancer that he um, decided to have operated on. So um, he's had a lot of uh, um, a lot of complications with it and things like that. But um, that he's finally in remission is awesome. He's one of the lucky ones, though. So that's why uh, I, I wanted to choose that. Uh, charity is yeah and now it's the silly side of it which is that we have a lot of stuff to give away we have raffle tickets ryan's thrown into the pot a tj hawkinson signed uh i mean i mean a, a tj hawkinson jersey excuse me we've got we'll sign oh, it if you want yeah ryan we'll, we'll see ryan will sign it ryan will sign it <laughs> but we also got signed stuff from panay sewell and jamal williams footballs signed by jamal yes. williams and panay sewell uh, we've got two lower bowl tickets to the lions versus vikings on december 5th we got lions scarf we've got pride of detroit shirts questionable tees our friends who sent us the jamal williams sweatshirts have thrown in several different uh offerings prize packages, from yeah prize packages that's all just on the raffle that's just all on the raffle but then every five thousand dollars it gets weird because Ryan's going to shave into a mustache uh, at 5,000. Jeremy, you've got like Ned Flanders co- cosplay and Ted Lasso cosplay. We might get you to find to die at blue again, which happened last year because you guys wouldn't stop. And then um, every $200, I you said end of the month, but I think we're going to do this depending on how many people donate might be every like charity. Um, I'm making a, a mixed drink, seven sins. And you can pick up to everyone who donates two hundred dollars. Seven pe- the first seven people each fifteen days puts in an ingredient in that, and they'll have to drink that awful suicide slurry. Um, uh, barring, it can't be too expensive, but we'll see what we can. Um, we've got other stuff too. We can mute a podcast host for a minute. We can. Um, um, every donation I see, I'm going to try to make a lion's pun where we can. You can become a guest on the POD cast for enough money too, or write an article on the POD cast or take care and control of Jeremy's Jeremy's Twitter account for a little bit. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll, we'll see about that one. I don't know. I, th- I, 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 I kind of got rid of that one last year because it got me in a little bit. Of it trouble. got you into trouble. It got you into trouble, but we'll see. Um, and, and just the other point to make, um, for, for a live audience, if you want to donate exclamation point, donate in the chat, uh, we'll bring you a link. Um, you can also, if you're on a PC, there's a donate button. You can click on that under the, the stream. Um, but in terms of the raffle, every if we, we wanted to make a raffle ticket very cheap because we know some of these big rewards cost you $100, $500, and that's, that's not yeah. realistic for a lot of people to give. A, a raffle ticket to be entered into a, you know, a chance to win all those prizes that we just uh, mentioned was $20. And I feel like that's a reasonable amount for, for most people to have in, in terms of dispensable income in a month. So if you have that $20, uh, we'd appreciate it. And it, it gets you a chance to win, you know, priceless things, a, a, a jersey that costs over a hundred yards or a hundred dollars, lines tickets that, that cost, you know, we, we all know how much it costs to get yeah. into, into football games these days. Signed footballs. I mean, th- those are, those are, you know, Priceless items, Panay Sewell, for God's sakes, the guy who's probably going to be in the city for for a decade. So, um, yeah, if you can afford anything, you know, twenty dollars gives you a shot. We got entry level. We got entry level. Yeah, we got entry level stuff. We've got high roller stuff. This is a big month for us. We're going to remind you 
each month. And I know that it sounds like we are have completely stalled this first segment rather than talking about the Detroit Lions, which is com- kind of fine right now. But this is born out of the love of the fact that the POD cast, the Pride of Detroit community has been insanely cool and awesome the past month, I mean, the past year. Last time we did this last year, there was so much money thrown our way. We were just like, we're going to make do our own charities rather than November, the November's official one. And then you guys kept that abominable thing on Jeremy's must uh, lip for like what, six months. It was ridiculous. And hopefully you can keep doing that again, because I don't, I don't know what happens if the donations keep going after this month. Um, we're, we're going to become very desperate to keep that money rolling. We'll see. Uh, and and I, one final thing before we actually jump into lions talk too, is we're giving you guys extra content because the lions have been so cool about this entire thing, but you know, they're the ones that donated the football, the football tickets as well. Um, they're, they're setting us up with exclusive interviews too. So, um, most of them are going to be mustache themed. I'll, I'll, I'll spoil it right now or facial hair themed, but, uh, starting literally tomorrow, Tuesday, we're going to start doing some interviews live on our Twitch channel and, and we'll obviously throw it on the podcast feed with some Lions players. Um, so, uh, it's cool that they've, uh, they've offered some time as well as, uh, as well as some of these gifts. And I hope they don't hear what's about to come next on this podcast. <laughs> Because uh, we love we love covering this team dearly, but this was a uh, this was a rough one, and we're going to get into it for a little bit now that that's out of the way. And again, I feel like we have just been trying to uh, what's the word in Congress? Is it um, filibuster? Filibuster. It's, it's filibuster. <laughs> yeah. We have been yep. trying to filibuster what comes next by trying to tell you about hey, you know, we've got these amazing charities to donate to, and Ryan's father, you know with, with battling prostate cancer and, you know, and, and for me, you know, a, a sexual assault survivor who's never really had any kind of fucking help in my entire life, like trying to donate to this and we're doing all this and like, you know, it's a great cause. It's very emotional and it's going to be very funny when Jeremy has a blue mustache and I am drinking a, a cocktail of like three different hot sauces and like vodka and, and I don't know, sochu or something. And we're, we're doing all this be- and you know, we're, we're sitting here and laughing and just looming over there looming over our shoulders is the is the score the score from philadelphia eagles detroit lions that i don't want to even read right now it it feels like this thing over here is like waiting to ruin our fun it's waiting to ruin our fun it feels like we could just ignore this for an entire podcast and we would be fine except maybe the people i hope is like oh talk more sports why is chris such a bad host but I, I am genuinely curious about the mood in Detroit. Do we really want to talk about this right here? Do we really want to talk about this right here? I will talk about it. I did talk about it and I will keep talking about it because it's a weird one, but it feels like this is the one where everyone just wants to go to go to go to sleep on. And yes, as I am looking at our Twitch chat right now, if you're listening to the podcast, there is several people saying less, less sports talk, please. <laughs> I'd love to do that. And, and, this is why, I mean, I wanted to win so bad so that we could go into the bye week and have like two weeks of being like, Hey, good things happened. And, and it'd be a good kickoff to November and everything. But I don't think we couldn't have, we could have gotten anything less that um, it was a disaster of epic proportions. And you'd think having seen something similar happen two weeks against the, two weeks ago against the Bengals, it would help. But then the Bengals went on a tear and you're like, oh, the Bengals maybe are actually kind of good. Of course, then they end up losing to the Jets this week and you're like, oh, maybe that was kind of bad. But listen, this this is a bad Eagles team. This is a poorly coached Eagles team. This is an Eagles team that the Lions matched up well against. 
and the Lions sucked so bad. And it was hard to watch. And I, I tweeted it out. And, and it's my main takeaway from this game. Like, this is the first game where the biggest issue of the entire team was coaching. They got out coached. Dan Campbell knew it. Dan Campbell said it. And he meant it. And, and I believed him, which is in opposition to Matt Patricia, where he would say, you know, I got to coach better every week. And you're just like, I don't, do you even know what those words mean at this point? Cause you just keep saying them over and over again. Dan Campbell's like, no, 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 I messed up here. And, and it was obvious, right? Like we, we talked to, to Brandon Ryan about how, how much he hated the coaching in this game and the, the coaching on that team and, and how defensively they were vanilla offensively. They weren't running the ball enough and they weren't um, throwing it downfield enough. And, and they come out and, and just hit the lines by complete surprise. And, and even some of the defensive players said it like they came out in formations that we didn't see that we didn't practice as much because it wasn't there on tape. So suddenly the Eagles are the, the better coach team in this one where I thought that might've been the Lions' biggest advantage in this game. Cause we all saw what they did last week against the Rams. They, they put the, the team, they pulled out all the stops and this was the week that the Eagles pulled out the stops and the Lions just didn't have an answer to it. And it was distressing to say the least. Well, you, you mentioned the running game, Jeremy. Um, I, I have to, we, we have to put numbers to it because this is what you see when you open up this box score. Like if, if you weren't looking at the final, if you weren't looking at the score, Jalen hurts nine of 14 for 103 yards through the air. If you were like, well, the lions bottled up the Eagles passing game. They can't do anything on the run. They haven't done anything on the run all year. 46 carries for 236 yards and four touchdowns. There were three, there were four rushing plays where or there are four longest runs uh, by, by Philadelphia Eagles players that were greater than 10 yards, like huge chunk plays that the Eagles were getting on the ground. And if it wasn't for more than 10 yards, it felt like it, it truly felt like every time the Eagles ran the ball, it was at least four yards. Like I, I would, I, if I'm going to go back and watch this game, because it's the bye week and I guess we're all just into pain. No, I want to count. I want to count. I want to chart. I want to chart how many rushing plays went for less than four yards. And I bet you, I could probably count, count it on one hand. And it's, it's hard. I don't think people realize this. when you rush the ball 46 times, it's hard to average over five yards of carry. Usually you're going to be like, 4.2 cuz towards the end of the game you'll run the ball and everyone knows you're going to run the ball and you'll you know you'll go do some three and outs just trying to burn clock. 5.1 yards per carry on 46 carries is unacceptable. It's ridiculous. And I came into this game thinking, okay, let's look at the lines four units. Their pass offense, their run offense, their pass defense, their run defense. Which is the best out of those four? I would have picked the run defense. And they, I mean, last week they, they shut down the Rams offense in terms of running the ball and, and to look at the PFF grades and you see that the two, two of the lowest grades came from Michael Brockers and Nick Williams, your two veteran guys right up the damn middle that you can't have that. You can't have that. And this might get me into my larger point, which is like, it's, it's the, the animal house, like everything is fine. Like let's not freaking panic is people. I, I tweeted out like that. They graded horribly on PFF and it was like, well, there's your veteran leader leadership giving up on the team. They don't care anymore. They've been lionized. All right. Let's chill out on that a little bit. Let's chill out on 
everything is horrible. This Lions team has lost the locker room. Everyone's not giving effort. Blah, blah. Like last week, we were just talking about how amazing this coaching staff was and how much fight this team st- still has against a Rams team that was miles better than the Eagles team that they like. We can't just keep moving from one end of the spectrum to another end of the spectrum. Like, yeah, the- it was a bad game. It was a disaster. The Lions got absolutely outcoached, but I still don't think there's any evidence that this team is, is given up. No. And I think that that was my big takeaway on this. And I think I talked about this before with Jeremy. And I think, I feel like we talked about this in past weeks where the modus operandi of podcasts in years past was like us sifting through the, 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 the sands of bad football teams and figuring out, Hey, which way is this team trending? Because we just assumed that it was going to be kind of a mostly straight line with a few curves, like a stock or something that we could just, navigate and we could see you know hey this team is going what team what kind of team is this going to be and we would say that every week and i remember several years where it'd be like even week eight and we'd be like hey jeremy i still don't know what this team is and part of that's because i'm an idiot and i don't process football that well but at the same time like this team i i have figured out that the hallmark of a bad team is that there is no hallmark you ain't got no identity when you are a bad team and it took a while for that though to sink in jeremy at least for this year because like as you said this team like kept fighting i I remember seeing like they were still highly rated as far as some of our metrics like dvoa out there for efficiency even though they were a winless team even though they were an zero and 17 that all changed after this game this was a correction to the mean as far as something like dvoa and efficiency was concerned because the lions weren't efficient at anything anywhere at all other than make it then making all of ford field turn against jared goff as one shrieking and cheering as david blau comes in near the end of this game but when you're a bad team you don't have an identity. There is no consistency week to week. There is no trajectory that you can chart. And even good teams in the NFL at, in this awful week to week league, even good teams in the NFL can come out and have the, that one weird game where they get absolutely smoked by a team that they weren't expecting. Like, like the start of the season when the Eagles, the Eagles who just beat the Lions, you know, smoked out, like got smoked out by the Falcons. No, 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 no. They smoked out the Falcons. Excuse me. I mean, the Packers game, right? Week one. Yeah, the, the Packers, Packers the Packers game. But like that's that happens sometimes in the NFL, but it's exacerbated when you are a bad team and you don't have an identity week to week. And the Lions don't have an identity week to week other than trying to overcome their shortcomings. And I can't just, I mean, looking at the ground game for the Lions in this, I would have said DeAndre Swift was a strong component, yards from scrimmage, but clearly he doesn't do much on the ground. And it can't just be that they lose Jamal Williams and they don't know what to do with the run game. It can't be that. But if you're a bad team like the Lions are, you're just going to have these weeks every now and then. It sucks. It's not really great to say because people expect – a a steady trajectory. It's not, this is the chart going up and down like an earthquakes going off. Like last week was high highs. This week was really lows, lows, but it also doesn't, it doesn't mean anything at the end of it is sound and fury signifying nothing. Ryan. Yeah. You know, to your point, Chris, I want to ask if this is a fair question. I thought that this team established its identity back in April of this year. I I thought that by grabbing Panay Sewell, grabbing Levi Onzerike, grabbing Aleem McNeil with their first three picks, it seemed like, hey, this Lions team is 
cliche, but they were establishing it on the fronts. They were doing it through the trenches. We talked about Panay Sewell being the last piece to their offensive line. We talked about, you know, I mean, Brad Holmes comes in and re-signs Romeo Okwara, a guy that we thought eh, could be part of the rebuild, but probably not at his price tag. Brad Holmes shelled out for it. Like all of their moves, I think leading up to the season was we are going to be, and, and Dan Campbell said as much in his opening press con- conference, like we're going to be like a smash mouth football team. We're going to the whole biting kneecaps and everything like that. It just never got off the ground. Like the offensive line that we all projected to be one of the up and coming units in the NFL n- never played a single snap with each other. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and I think for, for, for Chris's point, this is my question. Like, do you think it's fair to say that like the lions wanted to have a certain identity? I think that they tried to establish it, but it just never came to fruition because of injuries and, you know, sure. Yeah. This is know. where, this is where the, the levy broke a little bit because like, yeah, you want to be a smash mouth football team, but when Matt, Matt Nelson is literally being rolled up into a paver ball by Josh sweat, it doesn't matter what you want to be. And that's not all on Matt Nelson. He's put in a bad situation and it's, and you know, maybe that contributes to Jared Goff taking all those sacks, but Jared Goff also like, is part of the reason why those sacks exist in the first place. It just becomes like, there are just so many foundational flaws right now, either because of personnel, because of what you couldn't sign because of what the cap is, or because of either decisions. And of course, on top of it, injuries that have just resulted in a very rickety thing that again, like if the lions come out this next week, if the lions come out next week and, and like hang tough with the Steelers, I won't be surprised. We'll have to rewrite all this stuff anyway, but like, that's what I mean. This team is different each week because bad teams are different each week. Yeah. Bad teams are inconsistent. That's, that's what separates bad teams from good teams. Good teams are consistent all the time. Bad teams are not. And we'll get to the offense in a little bit because, but I want to talk about the defense because, because like the defense has been hard to pin down because one week they're stopping the run a bunch and, and one week they're not. And one week we're praising all the, the, the moves and, and improvements the secondary is, is getting. And then next week they're, they're getting torched by Matthew Stafford. And, and so it's, I mean, this team is as Dan Campbell put it this week today, literally, he said, you know, if this team needs to play perfect to win, then we need to play perfect. And, and that's, that's, that's kind of the razor's edge that they're living on right now. And when your your only strength and, and strength is in quotations here is your run defense. And that fails you. You got no shot. Like everything that happened offensively against the Eagles was not a surprise to me. Everything is is what they've shown us pretty much week in week out. Maybe the run game was worse, a little worse than than usual. And I think Jamal Williams had a a, a big reason to do with that. Um, but the defense to me is just like that sort. Like like you said, this team built through the trenches. They they got Michael Brockers because they needed a leader on that defense. They they spend two day two picks on that defensive line. They they you know, give Romeo Quarr extension. It's clear that was a big priority and, and sure Romeo's gone now, but the rest of that, uh, that rest of that defensive line is who they wanted it to be. And we all walked into the season saying, thinking maybe it's pretty good. And to see them get manhandled by the Eagles yesterday, that was the biggest disappointment for me. And, and again, I, I, I bring it de- back to coaches. Like I, I just think they were not ready for whatever this, this attack was that they, that they gave. And, it showed like they were just not ready. They were not ready at all. Yeah. And that's, 
where we started. Let's take a quick break. I know we went long talking about uh, Mo- our Movember drive. So I'm going to give us some time to breathe back, to go over those, these individual things. Cause as Jeremy said, like there's a lot to diagnose on both sides here. So we're going to uh, take a quick break and come back and get right into that on the pride of Detroit POD cast in Movember. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. As, um, again... Once again, impressing Movember is on. Our donations are going strong. We took some time off here and we've already raised on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit, $700. And you're hearing this on a recording. So that's probably way up from there. Uh, where do I want to go on this game next? I, we, we gave our overall thoughts and now just trying to dig deep into this feels like just a lesson in futility, but I, should we just rip the bandaid off and go straight to Jared Goff in the offense? Sure. Why not? Jared Goff is probably going to play again after the bye week. If I am wrong, it will be the most wrong I have been. I will totally be expecting to be wrong. But at this point, I think the Lions are just going to sweat out Jared Goff. And that's going to suck because this game went on way too long and people kept demanding all day long to not see Jared Goff, to see David Blau. They want to see David Blau. David Blau finally goes in one of the final drives of the game and uh, nearly fumbles the ball twice. <laughs> so <laughs> there's, there's what's, that what's his go- hand, hand size. What's his hand? I don't know, man. I'm not, I don't keep track of that. Jared Goff, though, uh, very, once again, a very weird stat line for this game that probably belies the fact this was not good at all again. But you knew that already. You knew there'd be a fourth down throwaway already. But although he says that he threw the ball high, that it wasn't a, that he wasn't throwing it away, but he threw it high. I don't believe that. I don't believe that after watching the tape. Uh, we don't believe you. You need more people. And the sacks were, again, Matt Nelson got just destroyed in this game by Josh Sweat. But you take five sacks, 45 yards. I I just, I don't know what else I can say. It feels like broken record time on Jared Goff. We all know he sucks. We all know it's bad. And there's not much else you can really do at this point. Yeah, I mean... I don't feel like this is a game where you can really get that mad at Jared Goff because just nothing was working. The defense wasn't working. The run game wasn't working. The wide receivers weren't working. Um, the offensive line wasn't working. So I don't know, like I, he's every, every week in week out, he's, he's going to get the, the negative attention when, when they lose and the offense scores six points. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, <laughs> the I, I actually do believe when he says he just messed up the throw, but I don't think that makes the situation any better because that ball was nowhere near where anyone could catch it on fourth down. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think the the part of his game that just continues to irk me the most is his pocket presence. And it was a little bit better in the Rams game. And it's the reason why I thought it was the Rams game was probably his best game of the season, but it seemed to fall back again where he just like, he sees pressure and then he thinks he turns into Deshaun Watson and he, or turns into Lamar Jackson. Let me, let me use a more appropriate uh, comparison these days where he, he like, he does that spin move where he like tries to throw a shoulder and run all the way back and it never works. And he takes at least two sacks a game where he has no business taking. And sometimes the pressure is coming right in his face and it feels like he doesn't see it for whatever reason. Just got to get the ball. I think that was his biggest issue in this game. There weren't any like outside of the fourth down play. There wasn't a lot of dreadful passes. There didn't throw an interception. I don't think it didn't fumble the ball. It was still a lot of passes just behind the sticks at the end of the day where you needed right. more yards. But again, part of that's just the routes that are being run too. Well, and, and it's the receiving core, right? Like yeah. this team is just like, they, they don't, they don't have anyone. Amon Rob finally had a, a good game again. And it seemed like him and Goff had a thing going and he would have had over about 80 yards if that, that one hadn't been called back. Cause Deandre Swift was lined up wrong. Um, but like they, they brought back Trinity, Trinity Benson this week. He didn't even see a target. Um, you know, Raymond is a zero on the, on the, on the, on the, on the stat sheet. Literally every wide receiver that wasn't Amon Ross St. Brown did not catch a ball, zero catches. And you can, I, I like, I, I don't know how much blame you can put on golf sometimes when they're just rotating through these guys. They, they tried Geronimo Allison for a couple weeks. That didn't work ever. Like ever since. And the, the one guy that it seems like maybe he was finally getting, you know, a, a, a rapport with was Quintus Cephas. Now that he's injured, there's nobody. They're, they're just desperately trying to find a, a number one, a number two, a number three, a number four receiver. Like the only thing that's working right now is TJ Hawkinson. And, and as, Dan Campbell said, like, teams know that too. Defenses know that too. I'll give Hawkinson credit that he had a pretty efficient day considering everyone knew he was getting the ball 10 times in this game. But they need someone else to step up, and no one is stepping up. There, there were some opportunities there too, right? Like, Benson had a really bad drop in this. Or no, was it, no, it was Hodge. Hodge had a really bad drop in this Hodge game. Hodge did, yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know. Golf isn't giving them a ton of chances, but – I think it's a symbiotic relationship here, although it's whatever the opposite of symbiotic is where both sides are making each other parasitic. It's parasitic. parasitic. There you go. It's a parasitic relationship where they're both parasites on each other, where the, the wide receivers are making golf worse and golf is making the wide receivers worse. And, and the O-line's part of the O-line's part of that too, because yeah, it, it is bad. Matt Nelson immediately gives up to sweat, but at the same time, it's also bad when Jared Goff's only move when he sees pressure coming is to start rolling backwards. Yeah. That's all he's, that's his only reaction when, when pressure comes, but at the same time, like, yeah, no, like you don't really have time for your, to even think about what you're going to do with the ball when, when your, your right tackles barreled over and someone's coming right at your throat. Yeah. I I saw this mentioned multiple times on, on Twitter by, I think it was like Kyle Meinke. Um, But are, are, are any of you watching this and thinking, yeah, the line should definitely see what they can get for Taylor Decker. Like, that I mean, needs that that should have died weeks ago, but uh, definitely like you you roll the dice on trying to decide who converts to right tackle between Decker or Sewell. You don't dude, get rid of him. Then, dude, like I don't care. Like, guess what, Panay Sewell? Life in the NFL is hard. I, I hate to break it to you, but sometimes you're gonna have 
to do some things that aren't aren't you know in maybe your own personal best interest for the team and like you're the rookie dude like at this point like if taylor decker can come back um you you gotta you gotta move him back over to the right side but the 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 thing i mean matt nelson has given up 34 pressures in eight games 34 pressures there have been three games where he's given up at least six and I, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's really, really bad. Surprisingly, he's only given up three sacks, but I mean, the pressures are where it's at and, yeah. and the pressures lead to what you guys are talking about. And it's the most frustrating thing for Jared Goff for me as well. The way he bails out of the pocket, like it, 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 it's not part of his skill set. Like he doesn't have the mobility to be able to do that. And um, I, Jeremy, I want to be in the same place as you where I go. I mean, there's literally no wide receivers that are doing anything to help out Jared Goff. But I just have a feeling like even when even when things might be going better with the offensive line or things might be going better with the receivers, like we, we still don't see like the arm strength out of Jared Goff. We still don't see, right. you know, shot, we don't shot see plays. The, no shot play, no attempt at a shot play and a shot play. I, we can just define as a 15 yard pass downfield. Like we're not even getting that these days. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I mentioned that when David Blau came in, I was like, all he has to do is throw the ball two times 30 yards down the field and he will win everybody over. doesn't even have to be close to a receiver. He can nope, just right. throw it 30 yep. yards down the field. And he's he got the arm in. strength. Yeah. Yeah. And instead he comes in and he like almost fumbles the ball once and then legitimately fumbles the ball <laughs> the once. second so, like, time. Yeah. But yeah. So I, the, the that, thing with that, the Jared Goff criticism real quick is that I, I feel like it's, it's very warranted. Like sure. we're going to be having our bi-week superlatives and there's a reason why he made my list. I think he, I think he deserved it. it. And here's the thing, like Dan Campbell said in this game, and he actually defended Jared Goff quite he a bit did, in, in which his I was, game press conference. Were you surprised by that? A little bit, but not completely because I do think it was an utter disaster everywhere. And I don't think anyone on that field helped him. A um, sea of trash. The sea of trash is such a perfect phrase from Dan there was Campbell. A lot of, there was a lot of idioms coming out of that sea of trash, bad news bears, uh, but he did a third one in there about anyway, go on. But the crazy thing is Campbell said the, the game plan in, in this game was to test them downfield was to go at it, was to be aggressive. And really, where, are you like, sure? Yeah, he, I mean, the very first play they, they get what 20, 20, 25 yards to, to TJ Hawkinson down the seam. That's Jared the end of, almost that's got the him end of being aggressive. Like he spent all his aggressive points on the very yeah. first play of the game. Um, but yeah, like, but I mean, there's, there's some legitimate legitimacy to what he said. Like in order to throw the ball downfield, you need an offensive line that doesn't give up 12 quarterback hits in a game. You need receivers who, when they pull double moves, cause he said that too, like they tried some double moves a couple times in this game and guys weren't getting open. So, I mean, they, they tried to get the, the defense to jump off sides so they, they could take a free shot downfield. That didn't work either. Everything that like, and, and and this goes back to like, this is kind of why the strategy has been how it's been is because the lines just don't have the, the personnel to be a downfield passing team. So they're like, okay, what do we have the personnel to do? Run the ball. Great. Let's do that. Let's have that be our identity. That way we, we, we hide our crappy defense, right? Like it worked last week against the Rams. Like Matthew Stafford barely had the ball in that game. And of course, when he did, he still lit him up and whatever, but they were in a position to win that game because they could run the ball well. And, and, you know, kind of slow Matthew Stafford down where he's not picking up 80 yards every play. That's who this team has to be to win. And they showed, they showed on Sunday why they can't be the other team. They just don't have the personnel. Yeah. Um, 
real quick, just to put a bow on the offense. Um, well, two things. One, I feel like we need to talk about the, the, the run game. But again, like the Lions get away from the run game all the time. So it feels like harping on that is going to be hard. Although DeAndre, this, this game was kind of the collapse of the stock of DeAndre Swift. Um, I didn't realize again, I didn't spicy takes on again. I didn't realize Jamal Williams was the linchpin to make this run offense work completely because Swift trying to go up the middle doesn't work. It doesn't. And, uh, like Deandre Swift is swiftly devolving into another version of Theo Riddick and that I don't trust him when he's being asked to carry the rock on the ground, but he's does. Okay. When you're at, when you're passing to him. When, when you're dumping off to him in the case of Jared Goff. But I don't like Godwin Igwebuke came into this game, had three, three carries, averaged six yards. DeAndre Swift had to do 12, averaged 2.3 with a long of seven. I'm not willing to get as spicy as you uh, and, and to say that DeAndre Swift is, is devolving into Theo Riddick. Uh, quite well, yet. I also I also value theoretic probably more than you guys do at this point. I'm just saying like archetypally, like a I Jungian think, thing. Yeah, I, the the fundamental difference I think I see between the two of them is Swift can't really do much up the middle because I don't think he has the body type to do it, and he doesn't necessarily have the kind of <clears throat> ability to break tackles like in really short space like that, and. I think Theo Riddick just had an inability of like running the football. Like he got like the, <laughs> he got like happy feet every time he got to the line of scrimmage. I don't see that with, with Swift so much, but I will say like Swift's abilities are getting the ball in outside zone. And you look at the run blocking grade for both your tackles in this game, Panay Sewell and Matt Nelson were the worst run blockers along the offensive line. Like fair point. I, I, and, and I, I think, I think that that's where Deandre Swift can eat is when he's bouncing things outside if he can't do that, um, unless he's getting lanes that are just being blown wide open in the middle, he's not, he doesn't have that wiggle to me. So I, I agree with Chris in this sense. He's much more valuable as a pass catcher than a runner. He, I mean, uh, there's no question about yeah. that to, to me, but I, I have more of a problem with DeAndre Swift's game than I think the normal person does. I'm, I'm more towards Chris on this one because I mean, just look at the numbers, man. Like, 4.4 yards per carry for Jamal Williams this year. 3.2 for DeAndre Swift. 3.2. And Swift's supposed to be your main your main back. Jamal Williams was the change of down that you right. brought in. And, well, and we even, knew, even we knew if, Jamal Williams was going to be super efficient though, right? Sure. Yeah. But I, I think he fits this offense better. I do. I Because, I mean, this team wants to be the ground and pound guy that, that, that'll just physically, you know, own you up the middle. And that's Jamal Williams. And here's the thing, like DeAndre Swift, if if he's going to be your lightning to Jamal Williams' thunder, he has to show some lightning for God's sakes. His longest run on, run on the season is what? Is is 16 yards? Yeah. That's not, that's not lightning. That's that's well, hardly that's hardly well, a, 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 a light scatter of, of rain. It's a plasma <laughs> ball. It's a plasma ball. I, I don't like you you're right that in this specific game the outside game wasn't working. But the problem is they were trying to run him up the middle. And I did see a little bit of that, like juking and, and shuffling when he, there was a hole there. Just run through it, man. You're fast. And if you're like, that's the thing. Like a lot of these, these speedy backs that are shifty. If you hit a hole right away, you can split those safeties and, and break it big. But Swift isn't that guy. And, and listen, it's, it's, it's not working with him. 
Do you, do you think any of it real quick, do you think any of it has to do with that, that groin that has just been like lingering? Not according to him. He says it's not bothering him at all. Well, all right. this kind of, we, we've mentioned a lot about how he seems to be a schematic like mismatch for what the lions want to do. Obviously that he's a guy who can, who wants to go zone outside, but you know, this is a team that wants to just run it up the middle. Um, and it started to become a, a question here about, is there something wrong probably with the lions offensive scheme overall that you guys think at this point between, between Jared Goff's, between Jared Goff, like all these passes that don't go down the field that are like routes for, for, for catches behind the sticks, be it the, how the, the ground game is being established or just even something as much as we seem to be rotating wide receivers nonstop rather than letting someone build a rapport with Jared Goff. Is there an issue with the scheme or, or the, um, or I, I don't want to say on Anthony Lynn, but like whatever is being implemented right now, clearly, I don't know if it's working. To me, it feels like Anthony Lewin has run out of tricks in his bag. I remember the first few weeks of the season, we saw some really interesting plays, some really interesting designs, and they worked a lot. Like they, they weren't scoring a ton of points still, but they were moving the ball pretty consistently. We're not seeing that anymore. And I think it's just people have wised up. The Lions, the Lions tried a bunch of like misdirection plays in this game, like a tight end screen, a running back screen, like a couple misdirection things. And the Eagles were all over it. And that's just what happens when you literally have two weapons. You have TJ Hawkinson, you have DeAndre Swift. You, you take care of those guys, who's going to beat you? Nobody. And so, like, I, I mean, <clears throat> Anthony Lynn is dealing with the barest of cupboards uh, possible here. And listen, Something needs to improve, and part of that is absolutely on Anthony Lynn. He's going to have to dig real, real deep to find something. Uh, but his job is is one of the toughest. Sure, out there. I just, and, I, I just and think the coaching staff has a lot of tough jobs. I just think the rotating receivers is the big thing. Like I know they're you're trying to see what you have in the pile of nothing, but I think at some point you just need to have one guy out there who builds that rapport. And Amon Ross St. Brown is getting close in that regard, sure. but he's still a rookie. Yep. But like, I, I just don't understand why Cleef Raymond wasn't more of the plan at this point, but you know, whatever. I, I think Chris, if you're going to develop a rapport with Jared Goff, you better be ready to catch bubble screens. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Khalif Raymond, baby. Khalif Raymond. I mean, look, Amon Ra is like, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I went back and looked how many targets Amon Ra St. Brown got. And it's more than I thought, given how little he seems to show up in the, uh, in the stat line. Like I didn't realize, like, I, I know he was blanked in the Rams game, but like in that Cincinnati game, I didn't realize he was targeted seven times. Mm-hmm. I had completely forgotten about that eight times against Chicago, eight times against Minnesota. It's clear. They want to use him. It just, I think they just need to start using him earlier in the game. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the defense then. <laughs> we want to take a break first and maybe. No, no, I don't. I want to cram all this in. Cause I feel like the last segment, I want to talk about, you know, what comes next, especially as we're staring down the gullet of a bye week Um, and I don't, I, unless you have a lot to talk about on the defense, no, I don't. I, I, I feel like I kind of shot my, <laughs> let's say shot my load. Forget it. I was, was going <laughs> to, I mean, what else is there to say other than the run defense sucked? I mean, you can't really say much about the secondary that threw the ball like 15 times in this game. The defensive line. Fourteen times because two of them from Gardner Minshew. I'm not giving that to the, to the Eagles. <laughs> 
I mean, it, it just, it was just a really disappointment from the defensive line period. Like the edge guys weren't playing well in the run game. They weren't providing any sort of pass rush. I don't think the Lions had a quarterback hit in this. This game. was a, this, this, you remember how I said a few weeks ago, like, Hey, we kind of bottled up these run, these, these run heavy uh, quarterbacks. And that's an improvement over the history of the Detroit Lions. That wasn't true. Jalen hurt 71 yards on the ground in this game. That was the most damning part to me. There, oh man, there was a play that stands out to me where remember the Eagles were backed up in their own territory. And it was third and 12. For, it was the first Jay, drive of the second half. Yeah. And Jalen hurts just like yep. scampers for like a 17 or something yard gain for a first down on and third and 12. That's, I mean, it felt like kind of a, like, I don't want to say turning point because they were already up 17, nothing in that game, but like that was a moment in which the Lions could, you know, potentially get back in it. Like, you got them backed up in their own end zone, third and 12. You get that back. Maybe you get good field position. You score a touchdown, 17-7 game. Instead, you give up that huge play, and they eventually score a touchdown on that drive, and boom, it's 24 nothing. Yeah, and for me, like, the one that obviously killed me was, and there was a lot of, I'm, I'm trying to find how many missed tackles were in this game, but once again, like, I kept oh, seeing that. What, Chris, Chris, to, to, to that point, like, I think that this game was so eerily reminiscent of some of those Millen era defenses where it looked like the lions were incapable of tackling anybody. And it was was a force field around Jalen hurts. There there was, there was something that Dan Miller said when he was on the call that um, uh, I think Jim Costa, he, uh, he tweeted out, but he was like, Dan Miller essentially was like, the Lions need to tackle them, and they're just not doing it. <laughs> like they're falling down like a yard behind Boston Scott, just trying to get after him. And but the, the drive that killed me was when you had the Eagles in their own end zone, and they capped that on a uh, uh, that was a scoring drive that turns into a scoring drive that you let them sit on the field from their own end zone, miss tackle after miss tackle, and they get all the way down the field and penalties are killing the hell out of this team too. Right. But I mean, like, and that goes yeah. back to coaching, right? Like, Oh man, too many, two, I mean, two of them, that's right? why they got too, too many men on the field, which again, that's out coaching. Like the Eagles saw something that lines were doing and hurried to the line. I mean, they, they pulled we killed Aaron Caldwell for that all the Jalen time. Hurts about is the, not Aaron Rodgers. You can't let yeah. Jalen hurts do that to you. And then, and then the, the illegal formation on Deandre Swift uh, raced a uh, play to Amonra. Like that is, as, as Dan Campbell put it, that is day one stuff. That is stuff that you need to have down after the first week of training camp. On the, on, on the broadcast real quick, this was, did, did you hear about Dan Campbell's comment where he's like, I feel like I'm co- I'm like teaching football one one Oh one instead of football four Oh one. Like mm. where he's like, I, I feel like I'm stuck teaching this like rudimentary level stuff and we should be way past where we are. So I thought that comment was particularly interesting just in the sense of like, is that like a self-reflection of you in terms of the the curve that you're on with, with this personnel that you have? Um, because I mean, you have so many undrafted free agents, you have right. so many young guys that are like, we have to get you up to speed on like some super technical stuff, but we have to be teaching this lower level stuff. And maybe I, I, we're not doing a, a good enough job. Hopefully the bye week is the elixir though. Right, Jeremy. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, I, I feel like that's a comment just towards the youth of the team, right? Like, I don't think he's trying to insult these guys. It's intelligence. Or oh, no, no, no. Like, when you're dealing with a team full of rookies, like that's, that's the reality of the situation. I, I'm wondering out loud if, if that's like a challenge that he views like himself yeah. where he's like, Maybe. I, I, I need to get us there, but sure. 
I'm stuck doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- yeah. I think that's accurate. And it's, it's just kind of an unfortunate situation of, of where the roster is. And hopefully, I mean, this is the, the one thing that we all wanted to see this year was improvement in the second half of the season. Right. That's, that's pretty much it. It's like, we need yep. to see clear progression. And, and at times we have seen progression from some of these guys, but then, you know, we've had a handful, you know, two, maybe three of these. We were just praising, just like, we were just praising DeAndre Swift last week for his yards from scrimmage. Sure. And now we're here, like looking at him and I just don't know what we've really got with him. And again, the killer thing for me on the defense is once again, I look at the time of possession and you 35 minutes for the Eagles. That's what happens like, when you run the ball 46 times. 46 like you, you want to, you want to be, you want to be the ground and pound team. You have to own time of possession. Like that's, that's, you want to be the win from the trenches. That's that the whole point of winning through the trenches is you keep the ball away from the opposing quarterback. Oh, guess what? The Eagles did that to you. The one last thing I want to say about this game before we take it to the next segment is in our preview podcast, Jeremy, there was no talk at all from Brandon about anything like, yeah, the Eagles are going to run the football. Like they're really going to run the football. We spent more time talking about Devonta Smith and Quez Watkins and Dallas Goddard and why Jalen Hurts isn't very effective. And then Boston Scott, we didn't even mention Boston Scott's name once on the <laughs> Yeah, by the way, by the way, if you were one of those people who jumped in fantasy for Kenneth Gainwell on the, on the waiver wire, I'm sorry, his first touch of the ball, that was insult to injury to go to Boston Scott too from the Eagles because Kenneth Gainwell was like the popular pickup. His first time he touched the ball, was on Jeremy's favorite play. He threw it back to Jalen Hurts on a flea flicker. And it worked. It worked on the Lions. It barely worked, but it worked. It worked, Jeremy. The result matters. Somebody somebody had Jeremy write flea flicker on his head. (laughs) (laughs) But Boston Scott. Yeah. I go back back to that conversation we had with Brandon. I feel like at some point I was like, is there any chance like, the Eagles take this full week of criticism of everyone saying like, they're not doing this. They're not doing that to like finally pull out the stops and do all of that sort of stuff. And brands. No, they're not going to do that. <laughs> they did it. They did it. Emphatically. Emphatically. <laughs> yeah. That's why I wanted to get this all out of the way. So we didn't have to worry about that in the next segment. Cause it's depressing and distressing in, in equal amounts. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to look at what future comes ahead as the Lions head into the bye week where um, I would say the Lions can't hurt you right now, but I know that I, I can't guarantee that at all. I really can't. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Wrapping up the Pride of Detroit POD cast as Lions mercifully enter the bye week. Um, our old friend Manser, and you can check this one off the uh, off the bingo card, said the Lions can't hurt us this week. And I asked him, uh, are you sure about that? And his reply immediately was, no, I'm not. <laughs> so uh, we're going to have some fun over the bye week. We don't uh, we, we keep saying we like to have fun on these podcasts. And I feel like the last few weeks we've been uh, in our feelings in many which ways. Uh, we're not going to talk too much about the trade deadline just because I know this podcast is coming out on Tuesday for our podcast feed listeners on Spotify and Apple podcasts and all the rest. 
and also I don't think that we expect the Lions to really do too much. Um, there might be something, there might be a couple, so I'm not saying there's not going to be nothing, but I don't, I also don't buy into I'd this idea. What? I'd be surprised I, if there's anything. Yeah. The problem is, is like, I just don't think the Lions have much to give up that they don't need right, right. now. Like I just, but, and I think we were talking off stream and we'll throw it up in the scraps, but something I want to dial back to with Jeremy from it was uh, this idea of veteran leadership. Like you don't want to ship it out of town, especially when you need it right now, when, you know, something that, that uh, Dan Campbell was talking about this week, especially in regards to how the young players, and there's a lot of them on this roster handle adversity going into the bye week And you need guys like Michael Brockers to help with that. Yeah. No question. I mean, he, he literally, you know, he was asked whether he thinks anyone is, is, you know, losing faith, not giving it their all. And, and Campbell said, no. And um, I, I think I believe him. And, and part of the reason I believe him is because when has Dan Campbell ever been afraid to say something, right? Like if Dan Campbell says, if Dan Campbell saw someone slacking, saw someone not giving it them all, you think he'd be afraid to say that to the public? Cause he's basically said everything that he says into that locker room in front of a microphone too, because he wears his emotions on his sleeve for better or for worse. If he thought someone had given up faith on this team, he would have said so. But then he followed it up with, with something that I thought was very interesting where he said, but we, we have a really young team right now. They're vulnerable to that sort of thing. They could, you know, lose a little bit of faith, drop the ball a little bit, maybe, maybe check out. But, but like you said, they've got some veterans on the team. They've got, former player coaches on this team that are it's their job now for the next two months of the season to be like, you can't give up on this. You can't lose faith in this because if you're not all rowing in, if we're not all rowing in the same direction, no one's got a chance. No one's going to get out of this. So the only way we're going to do that is with those veteran leadership. So I know everyone's looking at guys like Michael Brockers, like Nick Williams, like, like Trey flowers, uh, all guys who have phenomenal work ethic. And I know they're not playing particularly well right now. And, and that deserves, criticism, but those guys are consummate professionals. They, they aren't giving up on this team. If you, if you hear them talk, you can, the way they talk, the way they carry themselves, they know what this business is about. They've been in this league long enough. They've gone through hardships enough to know what it takes to play through it. And that's what the lines need right now, because it's going to get worse before it's going to get better. This team has a very, very good chance of hitting double digits losses before they get a win. If they get a win. And so those guys are going to be crucial. Is is trading Michael Brockers for a seventh round pick worth losing leadership in that locker room and at this critical moment in this franchise's rebuild? Absolutely not. Same with Trey Flowers, who with a knee injury and that contract is, is barely tradable as is. No. Nick Williams, not going to get you anything. There's, there's no tradable assets. I mean, Taylor Decker is probably the closest argument you can make to someone that's tradable but he's also injured. He's also currently on injured reserve. And I'm not sure you can even legally trade someone that's on IR. So yeah. And I don't want, even if, even if it was available, I don't want to after watching that, uh, like what we saw from the performance of Matt Nelson today, I'm not saying that Matt Nelson, that you should just give up on his development, but at the same time, you clearly need that veteran in there to eventually like, there's no value in getting rid of Taylor Decker just for another lottery ticket. When you, when you eventually listen to this podcast, whether it's before or after the trade deadline, don't be mad. Don't be mad when the lines don't sell any, any of their parts because they don't have any parts to sell. Like maybe, maybe Tracy Walker, but don't you kind of want him to be part maybe of the Maybe Trey Flowers, but I just, again, I too, don't. Too expensive don't, and injured. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to fetch anything. Yeah. So other than that, putting that aside, like 
I'm just looking towards the bye week and what this team is really going to work on because clearly they got a lot to work on. Um, do you what is the bit what what would you say is probably is is there going to be any surprises to come out from this bye week? Do you see any kind of seismic shifts whatsoever, be it with the with the roster, with the lineup, anything? I, I thought I thought real quick, Jeremy. I thought going into this Eagles game, like we mentioned it off air, but like I thought it was shocking to see someone like Darren Fells be a healthy scratch. Um, I I can't see like with this roster with this personnel any like huge shakeups that they can make to really get things going, other than other than getting people on the the same page. And I think that this comes back to like a very fair criticism about like the coaching staff right now is that. They need everybody, as you said, Jeremy, they need everybody rowing in the same rhythm. And that's the only way is if they're hitting on all cylinders, like Dan Campbell said, if, if perfect is what it's going to take to win, they need to be perfect. And I think that totally comes back on the coaching staff. Like there, there isn't, there's no rabbit that Dan Campbell's going to pull out of his hat. That's going to trump what he did against the Los Angeles Rams. Right. Like that, that that's a master class in trickery and playing the odds and having everything go your way and still falling short against one of the best football teams in the NFL. They need to have another one of those games against a team who's vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, they just essentially never, they can't let the foot off the pedal ever. They need, no. they need that sort of stuff every single week. And I, I would love to like, listen, that was a fun as hell game to watch. And last week was not because the Lions didn't pull anything. So yeah, I would love to see them just kind of keep the pedal to the metal every week. And I know that's not simple to do. Like you're also asking a very young roster, a very inexperienced roster. To, hey, why don't you pull three trick plays every week? Like that's, that's a tough ask, but at the yeah. same time, like what's, what's the harm here? Yeah. What's the alternative at this point? Can't really well, be and, vanilla and other, at this point. You're not going to win in vanilla against the, the, the monsters that are out there. Right. And the question I want to throw back to you guys is, and, and this is something that, you know, crept up in the Eagles game right before halftime. Dan Campbell goes for it on fourth down when he could have put points on the board. Like, I, I think that that's something where like he admits that, yeah, it was probably like I, I played like the, the, the situation around that one play wrong and I should have played it differently. Um, but man, you need this guy to stay airing on the side of aggressive. You yeah. need him to keep being that aggressive guy because that's, I feel like that's the only way that this team is going to capitalize and and win a football game if they do this year. I'm, you know, you know me. I'm like Mister Go for it on fourth and one almost in every situation. And I think so is Chris. That that was not yeah. the right time. You're 22 yards away with 13 seconds left. The chances of scoring a touchdown on that drive for any offense in the league is very low. You get, they're out of, and they're out of timeouts too, right? They, they had one timeout. I think they had one. Okay. <clears throat> well, I, I will, so I will may have ended up using it, but I, I will, I will, I will say this, like um, on, on that particular one, we're, we're talking about the one, like it was the uh, swift catch on the sideline, right? For what? <laughs> for, for like when they, when they went for it on fourth down. Right before the half. Yeah, I don't remember what the actual play was, honestly. Okay, well, I, oh, I think I was he got really sacked. Out. He got sacked, right? I'm pretty sure he got sacked on fourth and. I, I'm pretty sure. My my point though, what my point though was that I, I was going to agree with our friend Brett Whitefield, and that um, I was fine with the fourth down to, to go for it on fourth down. It's just that you didn't really take the timeout oh. after the swift catch on the sideline. Yeah, just just that, to and, really get yourself set. And that's wasn't the one it empty thing that, set too? 
it was yeah. empty set. It was Jared yeah. Goff and shotgun by himself. Yeah. And I was like, this isn't good. <laughs> yeah. And, and to be fair, like Campbell said specifically, like I messed up on the timeout there. He, he didn't take back going for it on fourth and watch, which again, I still think is a mistake because 20, like you don't have a lot of field to work with there. You only have one or two shots. 17 to three isn't a, a death sentence. Not that 17, nothing is, but like, and not that a field goal turns a 44 to six game into a 40, you know, in, into a 30 to 20 game or something like that. But at that point, like, do you really want to go into another half scoreless? Like, do you really yeah. want to do that? Especially when you're not getting the ball coming out of the half because you won the coin toss and you right. said you wanted the ball to start the game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was, uh, <laughs> that was something, but Anyways, we're, we're kind of getting off topic. I, no, looking, it's fine. Looking forward, like, I, I think drastic strategic changes need to be made on offense. And I don't know what they are, and I don't have any answers given the personnel. But I think they're, I think they're going to try something because that's, that's all they have left to do is just, like, put some sort of crazy game plan out there. And maybe it's throwing the ball downfield. Maybe it's, I don't know, doing more weird two-back sets where you're, you're – confusing defenses in, in some sort of way, but like the game plan that they've been running for, for the past eight weeks ran dry in about week three. And we, we talked about it earlier. Like there needs to be something creative coming out of that, that offensive mindset right now that just isn't there because talent's not going to get much better this year. It, it just isn't. And so something crazy needs to be done on that end defensively. I don't like, I think it's just back to the fundamentals there. Like I think, I think they have talent to, stick around in some games. And that's, that's how they've stuck around in games, right? Is like the defense has pretty much kept them in games every now and then with, with turnovers, with forcing field goals instead of touchdowns every now and then. And, and we're seeing the secondary get better. We just need a little more consistency on that side of the ball. So defensively, it's not that I'm not concerned about it. It's that I don't need, I don't think there needs to be drastic changes offensively tear, tear up the whole damn playbook. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's about right. Uh, go ahead, Ryan. I, I, I was going to say, I, I have my one, my one thing that's going to change this lion season from the standpoint of them being over in the, in the wind column. I, I think that there's legitimately only one thing that they can do. That's going to give me the confidence that they can win a football game. And Taylor Decker has to play like Taylor Decker has to play because we should, if, let's talk if, about we, this. if we, yeah, I mean, if, if we keep saying that, Matt Nelson is such a problem, which it is. And it's just really unfortunate that that guy is in the position that he's in because he's given up a team high again, 34 pressures through eight games. Like that's just not, it's not that that's not going to cut it. And if Jared Goff doesn't have time to operate, how's he going to take shots down the field, Jeremy? Like how, how is he going to develop as, as, as Chris says, how's he going to develop a rapport with any of his receivers when (laughs) Trinity Benson goes targetless? And Kaderil Hodge gets one target that he drops. Like, I, I, I'm certainly not defending Jared Goff. What I'm saying is I don't think that there's anything this offense can do aside from giving Jared Goff more time because I know, like, the receivers, it's not the greatest receiving core. But I think that there's enough talent there. Like, if Khalif Raymond can have a game where he gets over 100 yards, like, I think that you can – I think that Anthony Lynn is capable of scheming something up. If, if it means Jared Goff needs more time, I think that equals Taylor Decker. I, I think this is a really interesting topic that maybe we can, we can close out the podcast with because the lines have to make a decision on Taylor Decker very soon. Um, the, I'm not entirely sure what date it is 
part, like I looked up some, something that Tom Pelissero tweeted and he said 21 calendar days from when they started him at practice, which that means Wednesday. But then Dan Campbell said he thinks that they get an extra week because it's a bye week. I'm not entirely sure which one it is, but they have a decision to make because it doesn't seem like Taylor Decker is ready. It seems like he reaggravated his, his knuckle or something on, on that hand. And so I think there's a really good chance that by the time they have to make this decision, he's not going to be ready to play. So that means the Lions will have to face the decision of either locking him down for the rest of the season and saying, hey, let's just get you ready for 2022, or let's activate you, have you fill up a roster spot for a couple weeks, and then whenever you're ready, we'll get you out there. Now, is a roster spot that valuable to the Lions right now? I don't know, probably not. If, if they're spending one on, on Kaderil Hodge, then I, I think they can probably spare one. Um, but I, I think there's, there's a philosophical question here, right? Like, do, is it even worth it to throw Taylor Decker out there? What, what's on the line that he can help you out with that's valuable to this team's future right now? Is, is it, I mean, is it just picking up that one win so that you get that monkey off your back? Is that worth it to potentially risk Taylor Decker doing whatever to, to hurt his chances at the future? Chris, I don't think 2021 matters. So no, <laughs> I'm going to defer I, to you. I, I, would, I would like one win in there just because I feel like there's a contingent of Lions fans who are now getting um, <clears throat> chesty, being like, oh, I never wanted Dan Campbell to begin with. I'm like, okay, great. Fuck you. How about that? How about that? Because I had to deal with your, your abuse when I said I didn't want Matt Patricia. Um, I... Uh, <clears throat> I would like that one win. And that's like the only reason I would play Taylor Decker, but that's really it. It's to me being petty. I don't, we we've gone into the season knowing that this season doesn't matter. This is a hard rebuild. And again, the only thing you can really take away as far as a win is to say, you're not going to immediately become the first team to go. Oh, and 17. Other than that, like, I mean, hell man, like, I mean, we we've known the value of the first overall pick for years. And that the value on that first overall pick keeps getting more and more psychotic, even in a year where there is no clear number one quarterback that you can like that. That is the one downside to 2022. There's no clear number one quarterback that you can either take or like pawn off King's ransom for. There there was this year, though. His name was Trevor Lawrence. And look at where the Jaguars are at. Yeah. Well, I don't think the problem is with Trevor Lawrence down there. I think Trevor Lawrence still has a good future, but it's just, no, I, I know, I know what you're saying though. It's yeah. like, yeah, there's just that look at what teams spend to go up to get those. And like, unfortunately, but Kayvon Thibodeau might be that at the top. I don't know. Like, I mean, or he just might be a really good player to have on your football team. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd love to have him. I, we've, we've talked before about how we don't really, I'm sorry. I know I'm getting into draft talk with Jeremy. My point though, is that if you're going to embrace the tank, you, this is part of embracing the tank. And it's always, this is kind of the back and forth. Cause on one hand, we don't actually like tanking. People don't actually like tanking. I know some people like to talk about min maxing the draft, but this is what you get. If you want to min max the draft, you're going to lose nearly every game and you're going to have to feel awful about it all the time. And I don't know. And the calculus is again, and we've said this before about how much of the culture do you burn slash and sacrifice for that. But I would also that posit as I've been th- sitting here thinking about it, I think a lot of that culture is already burned slash just on the warrant that this is the Detroit lions at the end of the day, their reputation I, can't get much lower. 
I said the highlight of my football weekend, even beyond the Michigan State victory, was the tweet that Snacks had, where it's like mm. Dan, Dan Campbell's a guy that people are going to want to play for because he's like authentic. Right, because when yeah, he says and- when he says that game was on me. He means it. He means it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that value that, that that's going to be valued a lot more than people suddenly who were a week ago applauding Dan Campbell for, you know, his fiery passion and keeping his teams to quit now writing saying, Oh, he's on the hot seat. Not really. Or, and it's, it's definitely more valuable than, uh, I mean, here we go. Taking out another hatchet, Uh, Michael Strahan going out there. Was it Michael Strahan going out there and saying like how much he doesn't like players you know, signing jerseys for other players after or swapping after jerseys. 44 after, six drubbing. Yeah. Yeah. At home. Like who cares, man? Like, that was something the old regime cared about. Right. That's a, yeah. Right. yeah. And again, how'd that work point. out? How'd that work out for Matt Patricia? How'd that work out for him? You know, insulting Darius Slay's, you know, manhood. Like how'd that work out? No, I mean, you, people have to realize Trahan has to realize one, this is a different culture of players. They're, they're going to want, Jersey swaps just happen. Instagram pictures happen. That sort of thing is important to people and they're able to compartmentalize. They're able to say, Hey, this loss makes me feel like crap. It's going to stick with me for the entire week, probably the entire two weeks because we're on a bye week But in this moment, I want to say hi to my friend. I want to say hi to a guy I idolize. Do you, did you guys read the story about what Levi owns Arike stepping up to the Andrew Whitworth? Yes. No, yeah. that was fantastic. Like, like he, like oh, no, he was Derek, Bar- the, it was Derek Barnes, Derek Barnes, Derek Barnes from the boys and boys and girls club. Like yeah, this guy he showed shared up that awesome moment where uh, the guy, yeah, he, he went to his boys and girls club with like, could, should he not approach someone who his is his idol because he just lost a football game? Look, Give I, me a break. Yeah. This is, this is something, I mean, we, we've talked about this. If you follow like some of the NBA coverage, the fact that all these guys used to play on AU teams together and they're maybe too friendly in that regard because they all know each other, but like, man, like professional sports is professional sports and that they get paid regardless of wins, wins and losses. Like the amount that you get paid is directly eventually tied to like you get accolades, like say all pro super bowl or uh pro bowler, like that follows you after your career and helps you get better opportunities after your playing career. But in the moment, like we're not taking away paychecks from these guys if they lose. Like, I mean, and I don't think that'd be right. Even if they did, like you go out there, you give your all and the lions did give their all. And guess what? You still got smoked. That sucks. But that doesn't also mean you then go into a hyperbaric chamber and contemplate your losses, failures, and the void that comes after death until the next football game. Like you still have to like, like you, you respect the guy on the other side of the field and say, good game. Isn't that what we teach to all, all our kids these days about good right. sportsmanship? Like that's and what happened afterwards. Like uh, I, this, this, this thing with Strayan is bizarre, but it, I, it makes sense coming from him. I guess. And I think the part that resonates with that message for fans is like, they're the ones that the fans are the ones that can't control their emotions, right? Like they're the ones that are pissed off on a Sunday. And listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't be pissed off at their performance. They, they were horrible out there, but yeah. they're pissed off. And if they see a player that's pissed off, it's I care more about the game than they do. And that that's not okay. And that's not what that is. It's just, they're doing a much better job controlling their emotions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look like, <laughs> which this, is what you is, need to play in this game, right? Like yeah, you need to be is, able to weather the storm. This is the weird thing of, of trying to talk about the NFL, because I think former players do believe that earnestly, especially sure. from guys like Strahan or like from the age of like the nineties Raiders or whatever, where guys actually legitimately hated each other. 
Right. But at the same time, like that's just not what the NFL is. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And guys who are up on TV and on radio or elsewhere have to be, you know, uh, patricians for the fans who are pissed off all the time for various reasons, because, and I'm not, I'm not saying the fans are wrong too, because this is a, this is a, we're, we're watching sports because we love to pour our weird, crazy, wild and uncontrolled emotions into this thing. Yeah. That's part of the fun. Yeah, that's that. We, we wouldn't be watching. We're it. allowed to do that. <laughs> if you couldn't pour your emotions into this thing, if you couldn't drink to it, and you couldn't gamble on it, no one would be watching. No one would be watching sports if you couldn't do those three things. Ryan, <laughs> I, I, I'll tell I'll tell you this about Sunday and managing emotions and things like that. Like that's where the fans separate themselves from one another, though, right? Because like watching a game where the Lions lose as bad as they did to the Philadelphia Eagles that tests your ability to be a composed fan. I like applaud any, any, I applaud anyone who watched all 60 minutes this game. I did. Thank you. Well, Jeremy, you lost it. You started apparently Joker laughing in the, in the press you box. Joker because laughed. Dan, you you published Campbell, the recap after three quarters. Well, Dan, Dan well, come Campbell, on. Dan Gibble was calling timeouts down drive. 30, 38 points. In the, <laughs> that was the torture. That was doing? torture. If I'm going to kill Dan Campbell for anything, it's that you made us endure that game even longer. Yeah. I mean, that was running clocks should be a thing. <laughs> 40 points or more, right? Like you just have to. Yes. Like there's sh- there, there, there's no reason to warn anybody about there being two minutes left. <laughs> Guys, this this felt like therapy. I feel a lot better right now. I'm glad. I'm glad, and I think we'll close it up there. And uh, once once again, we have to recap again at the end of this about our donation drive. It is Movember. Um, from my own heart, as a sexual assault survivor, we are donating to Rain later on this month. Right now, though, Ryan's up. Prostate Cancer re, uh, Research, pro, is it? The Prostate, Prostate Cancer, cancer Foundation. Foundation. Yes, thank yep. you. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, like already on the stream, we've we've raised about $950 in about two and a half hours of us just pouring out our hearts over this awful football game. So if you yeah, want to so. donate, pridedetroit.com, there's, there's, I'm going to keep the article up there all month so that it's right there in the front page that you can see it. There's a bunch of links there. Uh, if you w- visit our Twitch streams, all you have to do is type in the, the exclamation point, donate, a link will pop up. That's how you donate. Bunch of lines, prizes on the line, bunch of fun stuff. I stuff already had happens. to write something on my forehead, but thankfully it, uh, it came we, we off. Found you, out you did it on Sharpie. Sharpie too. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully a Sharpie apparently can get washed off with soap and water after about 20 minutes. Yeah. No, listen, there's a lot it, of just, prizes. Just and, a motherly scare tactic. And by <laughs> the, I will say this on the podcast, uh, on the side of podcasts, like, one of the rewards is to mute various hosts if you donate a certain amount of eighty dollars. Eighty dollars, you can don't you can mute a host of your choice for one minute. So um, that's going to be happening on the podcast <laughs> throughout the month, and I feel like I need to warn people every time about that now because that's going to happen. It'll be great. Get out of here. For myself for Jeremy Reisman for Ryan Matthews. Ryan. <laughs> caught him off guard what do you, you want you, you close us out remember you've been trying to to take the the reins at the end of the shows every now Come on, and then. man limp biscuit just dropped an album give me some fire <laughs> i feel like i've cursed the team ever since i took over the the outros they've just been losing well, have you been doing the outros for the past 60 years <laughs> jeremy haven't you heard though it's the sports media's fault
<laughs> that everything's going wrong in sports. It's the reason why Cade Cunningham's ankle isn't healed. It's the yep. reason why the Lions are bad. What they didn't tell you about the Stafford trade is he said to the Fords, like, I'm specific, like, it, it's the media. That's that's why I want to get out of town. The media. Okay. All right. Here, here there, there's my, there's my sign off. It was Jeremy saying that and me going, that's bait. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts.